Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Simsisms. Swept under the radar. Here's the one that kind of got swept under the radar because of all the craziness of that game. Had a really bad challenge. <laughs> what? What did I say? <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> you said swept under the radar. Oh, that, I like that. Simsisms. That was yesterday. Tuesday gave us swept under the radar and secondhand nature. A two for one Simsism day. So we have an inspiration that came from Pete Demolitis. Let's do a segment that is driven by some of our favorite Simsisms of the past. We are going to look at the coaching search Simsism style, and uh, you'll just just bear with us. You'll 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 see what we mean as it all unfolds. By the way, it's a Tuesday morning edition of PFT Live. You know, it seems like in recent days we have something to talk about right out of the gate. So I never say it's PFT Live. We're on Peacock. We're on Sirius XM 211. We're on Sky Sports NFL. We're on NBCS. And they, they, I guess they know. They're here. They know. They, you know, you're listening. You know how you can listen by now. So listen, here we go. Chris, are you ready for the first ever Simsism inspired full segment of PFT Live? Yeah, I'm ready. I can't wait. This is good. I'm, I'm, uh, man, it's, it's always, it's good when, you know, your, your dumbness comes back to create a segment. That's always good. <laughs> well, to pick up right where we started with swept under the radar, the first question, most obvious question, which coaching candidate is being swept under the radar? Well, I, I, I want to say Eric Bieniemy. Okay, I'm going to throw another one out there right now that I just, you know, and because the Eric Bieniemy is obvious. We've talked about that a little bit already. Uh, I want to Brian Dayball is one where I just feel like I haven't heard a team linked to him yet or anything strong as far as just a rumor or anything out there as far as where that goes. So that that to me is a little surprising. Just the fact that there hasn't been a, hey, we're pinning to this guy or this team really likes Brian Dayball. I mean, arguably the hottest offensive coach in football. He just he fixed a guy that can't throw. The accuracy is a problem. I mean, everybody's looking for that guy. I'm just a little surprised there's not a little bit more talk or chatter about him. Am I wrong there? Maybe I'm looking at the wrong places, but that's just the way I feel right now. As of last week, what happened when Nick Casario got the job in Houston after yeah. Jack Easter be pulled a rabbit out of his hat or some other orifice, the talk was... Bob Lamont Mafia, he pairs people up. It's Easterby, Lamont client, Casario, Lamont client, and Brian Dayball, Lamont client. With Josh McDaniels not having a chance in Houston, that's been reported by John McClain of the Houston Chronicle. I know there's still like this, this push, oh, what about McDaniels, what about McDaniels? Well, if John McClain says it, that means he's gotten it from the owner. That doesn't mean the owner isn't going to change his mind. But as of last week, it was Dayball being linked to Houston and then all the Deshaun Watson stuff broke right. loose. And I think that's what has kept that from happening. And I'm going to, I'm going to say McDaniels, 
I I, sure. I just don't get I don't get how one bad year makes people think a guy has forgotten how to coach. He's been at the top of the A list forever, and now because they weren't very good last year or the year before offensively because they don't have weapons, Josh McDaniels isn't drafting the receivers. That all of a sudden McDaniels can't coach, and and I know people are still holding against him what happened in Indianapolis. I until we know exactly how that went down and why he chose to stay in New England, and and maybe the Colts got over their skis on this to maybe try to speak it into existence. Maybe they had some responsibility there for this. Uh, either way, a guy just doesn't forget how to coach. And it's odd that he hasn't gotten a single interview in this cycle. Has he? No, I, no. I mean, it, barely hear his name, you know, a few places here and there. But, uh, yes, I mean, I'm with you. I mean, he's been swept so far under the radar, he's not even I, – I, I don't even put him in the conversation of this right now. It's, it's That's how far under the radar he is. He's under the radar, the rug, and a bunch of other things he's so far swept under there. I have no idea. I don't get it either, Mike. I am with you. You know me, I'm one of the biggest, you know, fans of Josh McDaniels there is. I don't think there's really too many smarter football minds in the NFL. Uh, and yes, it's ridiculous that, oh, okay, the guy that was the offensive coordinator for the most potent surgical offense maybe we've seen, really maybe in NFL history, like one year with a team in a semi-rebuild and they're not as great and all of a sudden he just, yeah, like you said, he just forgot how to coach or do that. I don't get that, but that's where we are as a, as a society and everything like that. There's got to be media hype or nobody can sell it to their fan base anymore, and the hype's not there with McDaniels. He's probably going to have to wait till they get another quarterback in there and start putting up big numbers on the offensive side of the ball, and then you know every city can get around and go, oh, wait, yeah, he is good. Look, this guy's on fire, and that, that's kind of just where we are. There's this lingering sense that he will eventually take over for Bill Belichick in New England if and when Bill Belichick retires. Now, look, that's a harder sell, too, if the team isn't very good. So, so you know, if Bill Belichick walks out the door today, I don't know that Josh McDaniels automatically gets the keys. I guess today he would, but if this continues for a few more years and Bill Belichick just says, I'm out, it's not like the shine's going to be there locally in Boston for McDaniels to take over. That may be the point where they just think a hard reset is in order. So it's just weird. I understand it, and I understand what you're saying. you got to be able to sell it and the media hype. But but I it, it, it is. It's, it's weird. It's strange to me. It's so strange to me that a guy just falls off the radar screen or under the radar screen, swept under it like that. Uh, it's, it's odd because the things that made him an attractive coach a few years ago are still in existence. He just hasn't had the players that he – that he had a few years ago. All right, next topic. Which team vacancy is in the upper echelons, as you like to say it, of jobs? I, I, I think this is an easy one. I mean, there's some other there, – there's, of course, a few that are attractive compared to the others. But uh, the Chargers one, to me, is the, the standalone prize of the head coaching vacancies. The quarterback, of course, you know, got some weapons at receiver – you know, got that. So that that's big. You know, you got some work to do in the offensive line and all that. But hey, the defense got a lot of pieces there. But I just think with the selling of the quarterback, you know, some of the pieces that are on the football team, expectation levels are not real high there in LA around the Chargers. They are kind of the, you know, little brother or stepbrother of the Rams right now and all of that. There's, you know, there's not going to be a lot of pressure on you either if you take over there to where I look at that as being the, the prize, prize job. Yeah, without question. I ranked the jobs last week, and in my estimation, it's Chargers, Jaguars, Jets, and all the rest. And I'm putting the Eagles in all the rest now. Wait yeah. till next year if you're a hot candidate because there's too much dysfunction in those various places to make it a place where I'd be comfortable if I had options and if I had confidence in my ability to come next year, they'll still remember that I'm a good coach. Although, as we discussed with McDaniels, that's not a certainty. Uh, Chargers job, I, I love the potential with Justin Herbert, Joey Bosa, Derwin James. We talked about this last week. Do what you have to do to figure out why so many guys are getting injured and fix that. As the coach, you go in there with a plan for that. And you could catch the Rams very, very easily as the most popular team in L.A. And you could break through to a national audience if you can 
compete effectively with the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think if they get the right coach, yeah. they can do it. Yeah. And that, that job, to, to me, is the, is the best job. And the only drawback is you're in the same division as Patrick Mahomes for the next 10 or 15 years. So good luck feeling good about winning your division in any given year. All right. Which coaching candidate, and again, we are doing all of these topics based upon the wide variety and ever-expanding lexicon of Simsisms, which coaching candidate is the most wise behind his years? Oh. <laughs> I, I mean, none of these guys are old, really, except for one or two. I mean, that, that's when you really start to write down all the names that are there that are available and, you know, in the rumorville or have been interviewed. Man, it, it's, you know, one younger guy after another, really, except for Urban Meyer and Jim Caldwell. And I'm going to go with Jim Caldwell to be the guy that's wise behind his year, you know, wise behind his years. Even I can't even keep a straight face after See, saying I, that. I, I need to know exactly what that phrase means because it's wise beyond his years. I know. Which means if that's the phrase, we're looking for a oh, younger, a younger guy, guy that we think has wisdom. You're I don't right. know, though. I, I don't know either. I don't know. You're right. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're right. I don't know. We're, are we saying this is a guy that's wise or a guy that's young and more mature? and ready Exactly. To, yeah, I don't know yeah. either. All right, so obviously I went with just overall wise wisdom guy, right? And, yeah, he's got a lot of years under his belt. I'm going with Jim Caldwell. Yeah, he, he fits the mold there. You know, and also I think he could be the perfect guy if you got a dysfunctional organization and you're trying to get things back on the same page and, you know, you don't want to hire a, an evil dictator to come over and maybe it becomes worse or something. You know, he's that guy that I think could always be that calming presence to lead everybody down the, the right road or the right direction. And, you know, that that's where I'll go with Jim Caldwell. I, I'm going to go with Eric Bieniemy because uh, – and, and look, we're – People, oh, you're, you're trying to force someone to hire Eric Bannemi. No, I'm trying to understand why in the hell a guy who is in this position that has produced multiple head coaches, a position entrusted to him by Andy Reid. Andy Reid entrusted it to Doug Peterson. He became a Super Bowl winning coach. He entrusted it to Matt Nagy. Nagy became a team, uh, a coach of a team that won uh, or got to the playoffs twice in three years. And and now it's stalled with Eric Bieniemy. Uh, when, when I watch games and I see how he interacts with Patrick Mahomes and how he interacts with players, you can't always hear it. You rarely hear it, but you can just tell by the body language and demeanor. This guy knows how to coach. Definitely. And and I so I don't know what the problem is. Are they putting too much stock in the interview process? Is he not knocking it out of the park during these interviews? That shouldn't be the end all be all. That, that uh, look agreed. Unless you're hiring someone to do interviews for a living, the interview is a small piece of this. What the guy has done is a huge piece of it. And when you see him on the sidelines, when you see him when needed chewing into these guys and not in a fiery over the top way, but I I'm fascinated right by how he, yeah. I, I'm fa I, he just, he looks like a coach. He yes. acts like a coach. Right. And, and, uh, I, I think that, that, uh, whoever eventually hires him and see, the thing is he doesn't have to worry about the offense getting to the point where we've forgotten that Eric B is on the short list of great coaches because they're going to be there every year. At some point, his ship is going to come in. At some point, and and maybe it's just a, a matter of getting enough experience interviewing where you you learn how yeah, to say how to, what right. they want you to say. And and but but uh, you know, I I wonder if it's like the same thing that affected Mike Zimmer and Bruce Arians. Like, do are they? Uh, is he not playing the game? Is he not? I think so. But I think that's know? what it is. He's a little raw. He's not a politician. You know, he just he does, he's a coach, like you said. He's not into like, oh, this will sound good and make the owner and the GM and everybody interviewing me here happy. That's a nice answer that I'm like, I don't think he's that kind of guy. I think he kind of. That's just, exactly why it right. took Bruce Arians and Mike Zimmer so long to be head coach. I know. And, and that's fine. People get scared the, of that in the NFL. It's crazy. Owners, owners, need, owners need to understand that. Yeah. Or you're letting a great candidate walk out the door because you're worried about whether or not the person followed all appropriate protocols and used the right fork when they were eating their meal or whatever the case. Don't forget about that. The guy's right. a football coach. You're looking for a football coach. You're not looking for somebody to hang out with you at the country club. No, that's exactly it. And, you know, again, like you said, it's not that not all these guys are going to be perfect in a, you know, buttoned up tie and coat type of meeting. Yeah, that's not their thing. You put them in front of a team and a bunch of players and you let them talk ball. I bet you that he'll, he'll start to impress you. And that's the one thing. 
I've consistently heard about Eric Bannemi just to, you know, go off of what you said. It's his ability to talk to players and communicate and, you know, love them when they need to be loved and can be harsh as hell on them and they know they're still loved, but he's in your face and tell you you're wrong and you got to fix this. You know, he's got a great way of that too. So, yeah, but but you're right, Mike. That's why Zimmer and Arians had to wait for years. Probably Vic Fangio, too, because it wasn't about, oh, I'm just going to smile and politic you and make you feel good. It was like, no, uh, sorry, owner, no, you're wrong. I don't think that about your team, blah, blah, blah. And then they're like, oh, I don't, I don't like that guy. He didn't kiss my butt and tell me I was right with what I said. You know, that's the way these guys are a little bit, and I feel like that is happening with the enemy a little. And let me just say something to the owners out there, because you live in a bubble, and it's a bubble that I would very much love to live in, but you don't always get the straight stuff from the people around you. Let me just tell you folks out there who may be listening, and I know none of you are, but let me have my fun, please. Don't worry about who kisses your ass. Don't worry about who says all the right things. You're hiring a football coach. And they are going to be a little rough and tumble when they're good. They are going to be a little rough around the edges and unpolished when they're good. I mean, think about it. If Bill Belichick was trying to get a job right now, would anybody hire Bill Belichick? I I find it amazing that he ever got a job in the first place. <laughs> right? Yeah, right? Well, But you know, look at what he's done. I know. You're right. Well, back then, though, he was a little bit more charismatic and, and played the politic game because he didn't have the, you know, the pelts on the wall to go, hey, screw you, I'm the best coach and Super Bowl rings and all that. So, he, he, I mean, but you're right. With that type of attitude, it'd be hard to get hired right now as a new first-time head coach. You want authentic owners. You want real. You want competence. You don't want someone who's going to tell you what you want to hear and smile at the right time and say please and thank you all the time. You want a football coach, and you want someone who can lead 53 grown-ass men. That's what you want. So don't get so caught up in the interview process. And uh, anyway, uh, we'll, we'll move on to the next topic. So um, Eric Bianni, my my choice for whatever it means to be wise behind his Years. Uh, Continuing on the Simsism theme as we break down the coaching searches, which team vacancy is the biggest whirlwind? Whoa. Well, I mean, this one's one's interesting because I think there's a a number of teams in this conversation. I mean, uh, listen, obviously, we've talked about, you know, one of them already today, the Texans. That's one of them. The Eagles is a is a whirlwind right now. What the hell direction is that going to go? Who knows where it's going to go? The conversation, what's going to go on with the team? All of it. I mean, there's there's a few teams in this where you just go, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen this offseason. Even the Falcons with the Julio Jones and Matt Ryan thing. I think that's interesting. But I think, like, for the sake of this, like, team make, biggest whirlwind, I got to think it's the Eagles right now. I'm going to go with that. It's between the Eagles and the Texans. I'll go with the Eagles just because of the, the quarterback situation. You know, I don't know where the team's going. It's a total re- It looks like it's going to be a total rebuild, refixing of the team. I don't know if they know where they're going with the head coaching thing. So to me, that seems like the, the whirlwind. You know, it's Eagles or Texans. I'll lean on the Eagles for now. My concern as it relates to the Falcons, the Texans, and the Lions, as articulated last week, was that you've got layers of individuals who are the buffers between you and ownership, and you've got competing agendas, you've got different things you got to navigate that keep you from just focusing on being a football coach. So I had concerns about that. I'm going to make the Eagles the biggest whirlwind because the vacancy happened a week late. Yeah. So they're already behind everyone else. Right. It's, there's kind of a frenetic feel to it. And there's too many factors. There's too many issues. What's my power relative to Howie Roseman? Why, why did Jeffrey Lurie fire Doug Peterson after three straight playoff appearances and only one year of not making it? And they were in it until week 16 this year. Yeah, it was a bad division. They were still in it until week 16. There's, a, there's too much for me to figure out. There's too many things whipping around. It is a whirlwind for the Eagles. What's the quarterback situation? The media, how are they going to receive me? The fans, how are they going to receive me? I'm sorry, I don't want that job right now. That's what made, I like, how do they fire Doug Peterson without knowing who's already out there who said yes? Because they may start hearing no thank you from people that they thought would be at the top of their list. Yeah, uh, no, you're right. I mean, there's, there's a lot of issues, and I think you brought up you know a few other points that certainly make it the leader in the uh, 
The leader in the leader house. Leader house. Leader house, baby. Leader house for world win. You know it. All right. Uh, Which coaching candidate will bring the most camaraderie to the locker room? Well, you need camaraderie in a football team. You need a camaraderie, right? Is that what that is? I don't know. But camaraderie is real. It is. You you were much closer than you realized to carotid artery. Thank you. Very well done. But if you want camaraderie in the locker room, okay, the guy that I'll say – to me, would fit this, and of course, I you know I'm going with the guy that I know a little bit and been around here. I, I'm going to go with Wink Martindale. I mean, again, got another guy where I just go, I don't know. It's one of the best defensive minds in the sport. Oh, okay. Baltimore's defense wasn't top five this year. He didn't forget how to coach defense. You know, I, I don't know why he's not thrown around there more. You know why, Mike? Because of all the things we just said a few minutes ago, he's a Bruce Arians, Mike Zimmer, just going to say what's on his, you know, on his heart all the time. And he's not Mr. Johnny politician who necessarily might look good in front of the, you know, look the part in front of the podium and the, and the team emblem. But man, Wink Martindale for me, uh, love him. Great coach and has an unbelievable way with players. You know, a little like we just talked about, like with Eric Bieniemy, can be tough on him. But five minutes later, can have him, you know, eating breadcrumbs out of his hands. Like, oh, oh, here you guys, you guys want some snacks? Oh, here you go, here you go. Like, I mean, he's amazing that way. And you see the energy that Baltimore defense plays with, how close they are, all of that stuff. Everybody ran out on the emblem after the game there, the whole, all of it. To me, Wink Martindale would be amazing for camaraderie in the locker room. And, and uh, I love his Kenny Powers mullet. Uh, yes. and, and the results speak for themselves. I'll remind everyone of my concern that if you hire a defensive coach and things go very well, you're going to lose your offensive coordinator, but maybe Robert Sala, Wink Martindale, those are guys that you're willing to take that risk for. Which, t- oh, I got to answer. Who? What's my answer? Which yeah. coaching candidate brings the most camaraderie in the locker room? We've already talked about Eric Bieniemy. You sold me on Eric Bieniemy striking the right deal and the right relationship and the right tone with all of the players. Um I, I'll just, I hate to have the enemy in multiple categories, but I just, I, I think Sala, we saw Sala like in San Francisco on the sidelines, that with defense the, yep. and everything. They were crazy. Yep. He'd be one of those guys. I think you could probably throw in there too. And, and here, here's the thing. You, you, there's a balance there. You don't want too much camaraderie coming from the coach. You, you need to be able, you need to be able to put the fear of God into players from time to time. And we've yeah. seen coaches who are known as being too much of players coaches and then you have discipline problems so there is a balance there is a fine line there to strike and uh you don't want too much camaraderie ever coming from your head coach you need to have that distance and that leads to the next topic which team vacancy needs a militaristic coach the most chris well i i you know i i tend to right away want to go to like the eagles there that's where i i don't know why I mean, I certainly could sit and think about that, you know, with the Falcons too, because I think the Falcons are on the verge of like a little bit of a rebuild, but I just look at the, I I look at the Eagles because I just think you need a strong guy that can go in there and be just, you know, narrow minded as far as just like, I can block out the noise of the Philadelphia media, the fans, everything. This is not going to be an easy job. And I just got to keep, you know, my eyes on the prize day after day after day. And we have to stay on the course as a, you know, organization and, you know, keep punching the ticket and all that. So the Eagles are the one that jumps out to me the most, you know, listen, I'm, I'm a fan of any militaristic type of coach in general. That's the kind of household I grew up in with my dad and Bill Parcells being his coach. I thought it was laissez-faire. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Uh, yes, it was. Some days it was laissez-faire. Uh, but I, I guess that's the one I look at more than anything right now to say I think that needs a strong general-type personality to get, get through their tough times right now. You know, I, I, I originally was going to say the Lions, but the problem is they just they had, had that. that I know. It didn't work. Right. And you always see teams go for the opposite of what they just right. had that didn't work. So I don't know that, you know, ding dong, the witch is dead. Well, the wicked witch of the East is worse than the wicked witch of the West. I think it was the other way around. Anyway, I'm going to say the Chargers here. I mean, it's one thing to say the Chargers job is the most attractive because it is. It should have the most candidates lining up for it. But I think the Chargers need somebody who's going to come in and, and I, I hate to make this comparison because I think at the end of the day, the, the bad outweighed the good, all due respect. 
but but the style of a Tom Coughlin. I remember when he got the Giants job, he talked about how injuries are a cancer on a team. And I think he went too far with that. But the point is you you really have to get everything under control and find a way to minimize injuries. That's the 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 gong I've been banging all week as it relates to the Chargers. Why do they have so many guys who are injured? Surely there's something that's not going right in your strength and conditioning, your training, whatever, your flexibility, your nutrition. And I think I think that this is a team. I mean, what when do you need someone militaristic? When you have vast potential that is being squandered. And sometimes you just got to get your stuff together. Almost said another word. You got to get organized and you got to get disciplined. And maybe that's what the Chargers are missing. Maybe it's a little too Southern California out there for the Chargers. And they need someone to start kicking ass and taking names and telling these guys, look at you. Look how big you are. Look how fast you are. Look how strong you are. Get out there and kick that guy's butt. Yeah, listen, it's got to be. A, there's got to be part of that as a head coach. Uh, there does, you know, and and the good ones can find that balance and being that guy and still making players feel comfortable and good. And hey, like my coach still cares about me, even though he yells at me in a way. I, I wish, you know, the Eagles. I, I I know I picked the Eagles there. I wish I would have changed my answer too. I, I think if uh, look at it, and I've used the Eagles. You know, we used them already, so I, that's where I'm just like, eh, but. You know, the Falcons is one where I look at, too, to be along a little bit of the same line. Like, hey, there's talent here. You guys need a little kick in the butt. Also, you might need a strong personality to go, nope, it's over with Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, and we're moving on as a football team and an organization. I'm going to strike now while the iron's kind of hot and try to get the most for them or anything like that. So that is another team I thought about with that militaristic uh, approach. The Falcons would be one of them, too. Let me tell you a quick story, because this whole concept of militaristic, my father-in-law wasn't in the military. He would have been an excellent football coach. He was like a youth baseball coach. 21 years ago, when I was opening my law office, uh, practicing on my own, the furniture was arriving. And he was there. He was helping me paint stuff and just supervising generally. And we get this heavy credenza. And the two guys from the moving company were struggling to pick this credenza up and carry it into the office. And they were complaining and they were whining about how heavy it was. And all of a sudden he snapped and he let into him. And he was like, God, expl- expletive, expletive, expletive. You're as big as a house and you look like you could fight a bear. Pick that damn thing up and carry it in now. And they did. <laughs> and that was the end of it. But that's what some of these football teams need. No doubt. You, you got to have a little bit of that fear. You know, like, like we, we, we've, we've talked about a number of times through the years. You know, it, it's part of the it's part of the sport. It's part of what gets the best out of players a lot of the times. You know, the fear of, wait, he might not like me. He might move on from me. He might bench me. It's just not up to par or whatever. That That's a, a big part of a, a lot of the great coaches. I mean, how many times have we talked about that with Bill Belichick, you know, over the years and how he pushed buttons with certain guys? And certainly, like I said, I mean, the stories I've always heard with my dad and Bill Parcells and things like that. You know, my dad will always say, you know, he, he thought his first name began with an F forever. You know, that's what he thought because <laughs> it never said his he never said Phil Sims. He said Evan Sims, Evan uh, Sims, yeah. Evan Sims. Right. So uh, I didn't say it. I, I'll be careful. Don't worry. Uh, you were just you. You have this thing where you inch closer and closer. So we get your point. Yeah, we got your point when you said, all right, I, I thought know. his name started with F. But then you get a little more explicit. And then before you know it, you're saying the word five. Well, times. I just want to make sure everybody understands the joke. I mean, yeah. we are doing a segment where I can't speak English or explain things. Right. So I want to make sure I explain it right. All right, uh, one last one, just because I want to do justice to all these. Pete did a good job of putting them together as yeah. he scoured through the years of Simsisms. Which team search has hit a deeper, deeper level of dumberer? Oh well, I mean, duh, we know which one that is. That would be ding, 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 Houston Texans. Welcome to the dumberer coaching search. <laughs> yes, that would be it for sure. Everything that's gone on there, uh, Easterby. You know, Casario out of left field, not listening to Sean Watson, not trying to appeal to him, even though you told him you were going to. I mean, that one is by by far the leader in the, the leader house right now. Yeah, no, no idea where this is going. It's great drama. It's great theater. I mean, I, I have no expectation for how this is going to go. We don't know what Deshaun Watson thinks. We don't know whether or not Jack Easterby's safe. We don't know whether or not they're truly going to wait for Eric Bieniemy. 
to be available, assuming that they make it farther than this week. And who knows? Hey, maybe they lose this week to the Browns, and then Eric Bieniemy can be hired as soon as Monday or Tuesday by the Texans. But, yeah, it is a mess. It's been a mess. Anytime you spend, and I've heard most reliably the number was $600,000 on a search firm to help you find a GM and a coach, and they serve up to you five finalists for the GM job, and you go off the board <laughs> – to hire the guy you were going to hire two years ago, and he's not even one of the finalists now. That is the deepest level of dumberer. That's dumberer est. Yeah, it is for You're the right. Houston Texans. So You're congratulations. Right. We know the Texans haven't really won anything. You've won that, whatever it may be worth. All right, a couple of coaching hires means we're going to see more of Chris's favorite defense, the Seattle scheme. We'll discuss <laughs> that next here on Pro Football Talk Live. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The Raiders have hired Gus Bradley as their defensive coordinator. That's the tweet that went out yesterday. The only that's problem not is Gus Bradley. That's not Gus Bradley. And and look, I cannot be critical of the Raiders over this. And let me tell you why. I'm going to peel back the curtain. I'm going to expose some of the PFT underbelly. Here's why. We have two photo services available to us for our posts. One is Getty Images. I have no problem calling them out publicly because we have privately complained to them about this for years. You will type in the name of a person like Gus Bradley, and you will get a photo of someone who is not Gus Bradley. Doesn't happen all the time, but we get stung by it once every week or two. And it's not obvious Right. It's not. And and that's part of the problem. But they will misfile who people are. And of course, then we look like idiots for posting the photo with our story and putting it on Twitter. And then we fix it. And that's that. But yeah, so it happens now for the Raiders. They actually selected that photo and they photoshopped it into a Raiders you know, thank you. Shirt and hat. So at some point, you'd like to think someone would have said I don't think that's Gus Bradley, but but still, I can't I can't throw stones. That's Ken Wisenhunt, right? It's Ken Wisenhunt, right? Yes, it's Ken Wisenhunt, which is but, amazing. But like when you pull up these names, do you only get one picture, or how about we like no, look no, at no, twenty no, and then just no, go no, wait? No. There's twenty of nineteen of this guy and only one of this right. guy. This must be. But him. it's right. But when you search the name, they they send what they have, and you just pick one. And you pick one that, hey, that looks good. And, you know, we're moving fast. And we just assume that's the guy. And sometimes it isn't. I'll give you a story from the first Super Bowl that I went to at the media center. Mike Smith was the coach of the Falcons at the time. You get these guys out of their colors. And it takes a while for your brain to figure out who they are. He had like a beige coat on, walking in. He spoke to me. And I'm like, I know I should know who that is. But I don't know who that is. Because you get them away from where we're used to seeing them, and sometimes it takes a little while to have it all register, especially with my, as uh, Rocky would say, kind of a relaxed brain. All right, um, so Gus Bradley, not Ken Wisenhunt, will be the defensive coordinator in Las Vegas. They had the Mike Zimmer 
Paul Gunther approach. So, uh-oh, here we are. Seattle scheme, Chris. Do they have the players to pull off the Seattle scheme? Well, no, no they have a lot of that's, – that's where the Raiders got to spend their whole offseason on the defensive side of the ball. They, they got to improve their defensive line. They still got a little work in their secondary there. I mean, that, that's really a big issue for them as, as a team. But Gus Bradley – uh, he he's a phenomenal coach. And yes, you've heard me. I, I've had my issues with that Seattle scheme. I do think it's a little too predictable at times. But I'll say this, Mike. One thing I saw throughout the year this year, Seattle scheme people realized it. They realized it this year. They did. Seattle, specifically the Seattle Seahawks, played more variety of defenses than I've ever seen them play in the Pete Carroll era. So they've realized it too. And that goes for... You know, some of the other defensive schemes like that out there as well. And, and, of course, Gus Bradley, he's really the inventor of this defensive scheme. I mean, this scheme and what he did started in Tampa with John Gruden, with Monty Kiffin. Pete Carroll used to come down there as the USC head coach and visit us in the spring to get a few ideas for his own defense. And then, you know, Pete got the job at Seattle and, of course, called the people he knows. And he knew a lot of people in Tampa, and Gus ended his way up there. But Gus, you know, extremely smart, knows John Gruden, got a great way about him, energy, everything like that, and their defense has stunk through the Gruden era. So I think this will really work for them and, and help them out. But it's, they got to help the players on the field, too. They need more players on the field is what I'm saying. Well, and that's the key, and we've seen how teams like the Panthers last year devoted their entire draft to the defensive side of the ball, and maybe that's just what the Raiders need to do. When you have a great offensive head coach yeah. and you've got the pieces you need on that side of the ball, you can't neglect the defense. And and that's one of the things that was pointed out to me after Paul Gunther was fired. Um, all of the resources devoted in 2020 to the offensive side of the ball, free agency money yep. and draft picks, what do you expect your defense to yes, be if you're right. not going to make the appropriate investment in the players on that side of the ball? It's it's going to suffer. And now they've got to they they've got to do what they can because that's what's holding them back. Especially this idea that the only way to beat the Chiefs is to outscore them. There's some merit to that, but you still have to have a defense against other teams. You can't you can't just lay down against the rest of the teams on your schedule yeah. just because your attitude toward Kansas City is we're never going to hold them under 30, so let's focus on scoring 40. Well, and, and you know, Kansas City's defense is no cupcake. You're not just guaranteed to just, you know, dominate them for 30 or 40 either. So you you better have some sort of a defense, right, to where maybe you can beat, you know, Kansas City 27-24, something along those lines. Um but but definitely, yeah, you, you know, it can't just be all about the offense and shooting it out. And I think this is a marriage that makes a lot of sense. Uh, but the big thing will be, especially defense alignment, that's where the Raiders have really whiffed. You know, they have nobody on that side of the line of scrimmage on that defensive front four that you worry about in the slightest bit. Max Crosby's really good, but he's not really good to where you go, oh, we got to double him or chip the back on him or do anything like that. They don't have one difference maker or game plan changer on that front. And, you know, to, to what you were saying, that's what they got to do. They got to invest heavily on in that next, this, this, this offseason. You know, we've talked about the Andy Reid coaching tree and how it's kicked out Doug Peterson, Matt Nagy, and we're waiting for Eric Bieniemy to get his chance. Pete Carroll had that same thing going in the heyday of the Seahawks. It was Gus Bradley, then it was Dan Quinn. Right. Dan Quinn fired by the Falcons during the season. Now he's the defensive coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys. Getting back to the kind of system they sort of had, made with a Chris Richard and that so it didn't work with Mike Nolan in part because they didn't have the players. So now they go with Dan Quinn. And this is a good spot for Quinn. I, I don't know that a defensive coach in this era of the NFL is going to get a second shot as a head coach. But you may as well go with a team like the Cowboys. You're going to have a high profile. People are going to see you. And if things go well, you may get yourself in That's position right. to get hired again. Yeah, I, I, you know, and I think he's one of those guys where – the first head coaching experience was good enough to where you would go, I might think about making him a head coach again. I mean, he did go to the Super Bowl and had Tom Brady and company down 28-3. to They went to the playoffs next year and beat the Rams and almost beat Philadelphia and Nick Foles in that divisional playoff game. You know, So there was positives that he did down there, but it makes a lot of sense for the Dallas Cowboys. You know, it just shines a light on more of like, well, what the hell went on last year? Like we've talked about so many times. How did we think Mike Nolan and that scheme was going to work with these players? 
That makes no sense. It was a total, you know, round peg into a square hole conversation. And they suffered because of that. This makes a lot, you know, a lot more sense. Chris Richard, Matt Eberflus, you know, Dan Quinn, it's all the same system on the defensive side of the ball. And those are the players that fit it in Dallas right now, too. So it's a less of a offseason adjustment. You either had to go, okay, we go with Mike Nolan and we try to figure out how to get players that fit that scheme, or you go, let's get rid of Mike Nolan and we have a lot of players that fit this new scheme and now we just have to find a few new ones just to make us better. And I think that made, made more sense than the other way around. I have become so corrupted by the concept of the Simsism that I am now anticipating them. As you began to say round peg in a square hole, I was kind of bracing and sort of hoping for round square in a peg hole. <laughs> That's what I thought you were going to say, but you didn't. So uh, unfortunately, for the purposes of the show, you got it right. It would have been great if you had said round square in a peg hole. In fact, I think I'm just going to pretend that you did. I, I might have. I don't even know what <laughs> no, I you said. Did. So there's a good you chance. Did say round, you did say round peg in a square hole. Okay. But I really did. I, I heard it coming up thinking, oh, God, he's going to say round square in a peg hole. All right, let's take a break. Uh, when we return, we are going to have a draft. And this is very low-hanging fruit. This is what Pete does. Pete's kind of lazy. He comes up with the most obvious. I'm just kidding. <laughs> he came up with a good draft today. He did a great job with the Simsism segment. And the draft, we're just going to draft the six teams we believe in the most to win the Super Bowl out of the eight left. It's that simple. It's that clear. We're going to do it when PFT Live continues right after this. One of my idols growing up was Alex Trebek, you know, and, and being being able to be on Jeopardy years ago, even though my wardrobe outfit was the greatest choice. No, no, it doesn't matter. Everybody's dress is very bad on that show. They're, they're doing some uh, some guest hosting spots, and it's going to be released here pretty soon, but I have the opportunity to do one of those. Let's oh. go! I'm telling you, that photo of, of, of bring, 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 you got, we got to bring that back. It looks like his head was photoshopped onto the body of a 55-year-old man <laughs> who isn't in shape. Unlike me, I'm in somewhat shape. That, that, that looks more like me from the neck down than him, well, right? He's, he's, kind of dumpy and frumpy. Well, yeah, it's just a sweater. It's like, you know, he went with Jeopardy attire. He's trying to fit into what all the normal guys and contestants look like on there. But he did win that, right? Am I right about that when he was he on there as a celebrity? Episode. Yeah, yeah. The, the guy's damn smart, and I'm a, I'm excited to uh, watch him host it when that does that, when that does happen. It's sad to see Alex Trebek go, of course. R.I.P. to him. Yeah, there's no good way out of this for Jeopardy. You do, how do you follow a legend like Alex Trebek? And I think they're going to do this guest hosting thing for a while. I would I I can't imagine anybody wanting to be the next permanent host of that show after Alex Trebek and uh, but the show goes on and and eventually they'll have a full time host. It'll, and the the beauty of it is, it since it's not live because because it's gonna it's it's gonna be so hard to pull it off. One of the things that the people who try to do it will realize is Alex Trebek made it look easier than it is, far easier than it is, and uh, the ability to to cut and reshoot and retake and paste together that that will help the guest hosts get through it because it's not going to be easy for them all right it's not going to be easy for any of the eight teams left in the nfl playoff field including the green bay packers who are the one seed in the nfc we are going to do a draft of the teams we believe in as the super bowl winner potentially and we may get to all eight of them depending on time Chris, you've got a trivia question for me. Fire away. I don't know the answer to this, so I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna help you out here. Or at least talk it through with you. I'll let you guess and right. get it wrong. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson all had 40 plus touchdown passes this season. Who is the only quarterback in NFL history to throw 40 plus TDs in the regular season and win the Super Bowl? Kurt that Warner. Man, okay. Good job. Way to go. I wouldn't have come up with that. He was certainly on the list of names I was thinking of, but I wasn't sure he definitely got to 40 that year. So, wow, way to go. You're the man. Well, last guy to be the regular season MVP and Super Bowl MVP in 1999, so I figured he had to be north of 40 to win the regular season MVP, and I remember the greatest show-offs in turf that year, how how uh, unstoppable they were, and uh, that, that was just amazing how that just kind of – it just happened. I mean – I remember at the time thinking how significant this is and how historic it is that this team, 
after Trent Green tears his ACL in the preseason and they go to this guy who bagged groceries and played for the Iowa Barnstormers of the Arena League, that, that they took the league by storm that year. It's incredible what they did. And, yeah, it's the last time that the Super Bowl MVP and the regular season MVP were the same person. All right, uh, number one for me, got to go with the Chiefs, got to go with the team that has shown that it can overcome any and all adversity that it faces. It did it in every playoff game last year. They are rested. They are ready. They are sitting back. They are waiting for the Browns. It's not going to be easy. It may not be a blowout, but uh, I see the Chiefs migrating their way to Tampa and of all the teams available, the team most likely to win it all, Chris. Yeah, I I can't disagree with that. That would have been my number one pick, too. And, you know, I, I'm really, last week threw a little bit of a wrench in, into what I, I thought. You know, I think we kind of, I went into the playoffs thinking I think the, the Bills are one of the two or three best teams for sure. And I'm just not sure about that. I guess last week is still in my mind and how they got controlled up front and all of that. So, I am going to change my thought there, and I'm going to pick the Packers. I am. Uh, that's who I'm going to go with, number two. The Packers showed me a lot the last few weeks of the year. They really did. I can't lie. You know, They just showed toughness on both sides of the ball. Their defense is a little grittier and tougher than I gave it credit for in the midway point of the year and everything like that. You know, I think Mike Pettin's done a really good job. They figured out how to use their personnel the right way, all of that. But I, you know, we've talked a few times about their offense. Where, yeah, last year they were 13-3 and three and things were good. But this year, it kind of seems like an unstoppable force. And to me, where it's gone above and beyond is their run game has gone to a point where it's like, oh, you know we're running? We don't care. We're still going to run it and we can do it successfully. And Rodgers and the offense, just the pass offense seems more you know, vast and more ideas and things like that this year. So I'm going to go with the Packers. Before the Packers can get to the Super Bowl, they may have to get past the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, although they may not have to face them if the Saints win on Sunday night. The Buccaneers beat the Packers 38-10. The Buccaneers are my next choice. I think they're the team from the NFC field most suited to winning the Super Bowl because of the presence of Tom Brady and all the times that Tom Brady has played in a Super Bowl. He's got nine Super Bowl, more than half of his season. He has played of Super Bowls in his career uh, so I, I, if they can get there now, look, it's not like it's an easy win over the chiefs, but I just, it, you take the chiefs and the Packers off the board, the team that I next feel best about is the Buccaneers. In fact, I may have made the Buccaneers number two over the Packers. Yeah. I, I don't. Yeah. I mean, listen, they're dangerous. I get you. Their defense scares me though. The way that looked last week. Uh, I, I'm a little, a little concerned about that. And, you know, of course we're going to see a team that, that dominated that defense here play them this week. I'm going to go with the Saints off of that. You know, I feel a little bit better about the Saints than the Bucks. not on the offensive side of the ball. You know, the Bucks are certainly more explosive and everything like that, but the Saints' offense is still damn good. And with that defense, you know, the way they've beaten the Bucks this year, the way they, you know, pressured Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes got hit in that game like I've never seen him get hit before. You know, so I think they are. You give them another crack at the Chiefs, and that was Drew Brees' first game back after a long time off and everything like that. I think they're one of those teams that could beat the Saints in the Super Bowl, too. So I'll go with the Saints as uh, my second pick. My knee-jerk reaction in this spot is to take the Bills and to say I'm surprised they've lasted so long. And then I stopped and thought, wait a minute, they play the Ravens this week. Yeah. And and – it's I don't want to tip one. my I don't want to tip my pick. Well, you are tipping it. You're going with the Ravens, it sounds like. I'm going with the Ravens. I hate to say this. The Bills were the number one team in my most recent power rankings, but hey, you you can't have a close call like they had against the Colts. And we've forgotten about that game because it was the first of six for the weekend. That was a close call. Close that, call. That was right. that was a grazing. They were grazed by the Colts. And uh, that that has to affect how we perceive them going forward. I yeah I I, I t I'll take the Ravens over the Bills. Yeah I I, I hear you. Yeah I mean uh, I'm with you. That was concerning with what we saw there last week. And you know the Ravens have been one of the hottest teams in football. And you know Lamar Jackson uh, is is amazing. He really is. I think I got a song for Lamar Jackson too. I'm gonna break out here soon Ooh. for you. Oh good. yeah yeah. Uh, but yeah I think my my next pick is of course I'm you know. Going to go with the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. Giddy up, giddy up, giddy up, Josh Allen. Giddy up, giddy up. It's my boy, Blue. I, I got to. But the reason he's at their, the number six team here is because of that right there. 
You know, that that's where I came up with the song as I was going, oh, here goes Josh Allen, take over, giddy up, here we go, jump on. That's how I started messing around within my head because that's what we saw. I mean, you just said about it, like flirted with danger. What They were outplayed, period. They are, if they don't have a Josh Allen or a Mahomes or a Rodgers as their quarterback, they're going to lose. They're, there's no way they're going to win that game. So that's how special he was. And yeah, the Bills have fallen in my power rankings as well. So we're down to the, the Rams Browns and, and the, the Browns. Browns. So who do you want? Uh, well, I'll t- I want you know, the Rams I, over the Browns. Well, I'll take the Browns. Fine. I'll take the Browns. Fine. Fine. <laughs> uh, I, 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 look, uh, and Peter King and I were talking about this some yesterday, and we're going to really delve into it on Friday. Peter's done some research about the, the Chiefs' most recent games and, and also not just that, the experiences of teams that have shut it down in week 17 and then had the bye week and how they struggle in the divisional round. And you look at how the Browns are rolling into this game. They, if they get past the Chiefs, yeah. if, and we do this next week, well, they can't be lower than four because there's only going to be four teams left. <laughs> right. But we're going to feel very, very differently about the Browns' chances of getting to the Super Bowl and winning it if they somehow go into Kansas City and beat the Chiefs. No, no doubt. You know, I, it's, I don't think it's crazy. You know, I don't expect it. But with that run game and chew up the clock, keep Mahomes by the Gatorade bottles, listen, I, I mean, I'm taking the Rams as my last pick. This is what's awesome about this weekend. I wouldn't be shocked if the Rams beat the Packers. I don't know what the Packers are favored by, but in Chris Sims's line, it wouldn't be by much. I don't think it would be. Not with that defense. They're scary. I think they match up very well with Green Bay in a lot of ways. So, yeah, I mean, it's no disrespect to the Rams or the Browns, but it's just it's it's eight really good teams left. Six and a half is that line for the Rams against the Green Bay Packers. We need to take a quick break. We'll wrap up this Wednesday edition of Pro Football Talk Live right after this. Hockey is back tonight. Tampa Bay Lightning will raise the banner and start the defense of their Stanley Cup title. A triple header is coming up. Empty stadiums, at least for now. I don't know what the plan is long term, but hockey is back. That's the plan. No bubble. Playing in home stadiums. Penguins Flyers at 530 Eastern. Blackhawks Lightning at 8 Eastern. And then Blues Avalanche at 1030 Eastern. A triple header on NBCSN, Chris. Uh, Hockey is awesome and it's just great they found a way to play hockey. They found a way to play basketball. I assume they'll find a way to play baseball and football. Here we are. Four games this weekend, two the next weekend, one after that. We're getting, we're getting them all in. We're getting them in. It's good. I mean, maybe with the vaccinations here in our country and everything, maybe we can get to the start of the summer and start having more people in the stands and everything like that. I hope so. Still haven't seen how many are going to be at the Super Bowl, but I have a feeling there will be multiple thousand there. That's it for today. We'll see you Thursday. Have a great day. See ya. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.